everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 87th episode of the podcast, airing the week of February 17th, 2020. Now, I'm delighted to bring to you my interview with Michigan-based professional astrologer, Spencer Michaud, who's going to join me in a discussion on Pisces season 2020. Now, Spencer and I are going to cover the slew of transits that will be happening in this more than packed Pisces season. And we're going to start with some musings on the sign of Pisces and Jupiter's involvement there, and then dive into a chronological account of how we see the transits going down for this year's beautiful water season. Now, we also spend time, uh, actually a lot of time, looking into the tarot correspondences for significant transit placements, which help to pepper in added insight to what this next 30-day period is likely to look like. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and to keep it running afloat, along with my astrological efforts, is to come on over to Patreon to sign up for my Patreon-exclusive astrology forecast, or audiocast, or astrocast, or whatever cast you want to call it, which is my seven-day detailed astrology forecast, which includes tarot polls for the week and the animal ambassador. Now, I also have a new segment at the end of the show called Ask Mel, where I answer patron questions. And I've had some great questions come in, and I really do encourage people ask me anything. So new episodes launch weekly on Sundays at midnight. So if you want to stay up to date with the micro and the macro of the dynamic energies and all the shifts that are underway, I am here to help. So for $5 a month, you will have access to the weekly forecast, along with early guest interviews before they even reach the public, so they come there first. And of course, my Astro Storytime episodes, totaling in five episodes of over six hours of astro chart interpretation and other mundane observations. Now, in addition to the $5 tier, for a few dollars more at $8, you can get all that I mentioned, just mentioned, and show notes and the option to ask Mel. Uh, Any question you might like to be answered on the program. Now, it can be quite helpful to break down the week into these bite-sized chunks, especially in relation to the moon cycle. So if you want to stay in the know and support these interview broadcasts in the process, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, you can also show appreciation by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar on the front page of energeticprinciples.com or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my site. Now, all right, so who is ready to see what is in store for Pisces season? I know I am. So, okay, here we flow. Bad Pisces joke, just so you know. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. But all right, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Spencer Michaud with us. Thank you for joining me, Spencer. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Now, listen to his his voice just coming in through this nice mic. He got on the call with this like awesome microphone that I only wish that I had. And it was just like radio just coming on in. Um, so actually, Spencer, I, I think, you know, we met randomly the first time. I don't know if you remember this uh, at UAC. 
when I think I was talking to Chris Brennan for a hot second and you walked up and he introduced us and they're like, oh, here's another cancer to meet. I don't know if you remember that at all. You know, I'm sorry, I don't. That's crazy because I, I, that was a little while ago now, but I do remember seeing your podcast and like I've seen it all around and I've been very impressed by the work that you do. And uh, I met so many people at UAC that my brain just like melted. <laughs> and I'm sure that if we had like hung out, I, we would have like had a lot of fun uh, instead of just like, oh, here, here's this person. Oh, hi, goodbye. <laughs> you know, yes, like, it was very in passing so, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I remember that was the connective, like the uh, the uh, connective element was like, oh, here, meet a fellow cancer. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I think. Uh, Spencer and I have a lot of nice aspects going on in our charts. And so hopefully uh, that will make the uh, topic of Pisces season 2020, which we're going to be talking about here today, uh, nice and flowing. And um, because there's so much to talk about, we're going to need that nice flow together. Um, But before we get started here, Spencer, will will you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I was I started off as a professional musician for about twenty years. Um, I'm a guitar player and a singer. Um, I've been a, a private music teacher and a songwriting instructor at a community college around here, and I teach group guitar classes. And uh, just you know, inspired by people like Jeff Buckley and things like that. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Buckley, but mm-hmm. it's big into Jeff Buckley and did tribute concerts. Uh, got to meet his mom and all this stuff. It was it was cool. Uh, and then I had kind of a I've been studying astrology for a long time. I got introduced to astrology by a girlfriend in college um, who gave me a copy of Linda Goodman's Love Signs. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And then some other guy randomly gave me a book, The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need by Joanna Woolfolk, which Mm -hmm. is not true. (laughs) It's a false advertising on that book. But but that really sparked an interest because I was really um, floored by some of the insights in there, even though they were a little bit more general, it, it got me very curious. And I've been studying you know, astrology through things like Jan Spiller's work. Uh, I was really a big fan of um, Barry Perlman's website, Astro Barry. Uh, and then um, I was gifted a copy of Demetra George's book, Astrology and the Authentic Self mm-hmm. on my birthday in 2017. And that really <clears throat> sparked a big shift from studying modern astrology to Hellenistic astrology. Um, I was like, whoa, this is this, this is the, I, I don't know, I don't, I hate to throw this out there, but I was like, this is the real stuff. This is the stuff that, that it just blew my mind, like what was uh, the accuracy of those techniques. Mm-hmm. And that just set me off on a new, a whole new, you know, journey. Cause I'd been doing like, you know, I, I was the kind of guy who went to a party and, <clears throat> To make uh, myself less nervous, I you know I couldn't really do small talk very long, and I'd be like, "What's your birthday?" And I'd be doing <laughs> readings for people at these parties, just like everybody. Like, and I'd be doing this for people in like the grocery store line and stuff like that. Like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" Yeah, what's your birthday? <laughs> just, I was like, you know, people were like maybe you should try to do this. So um, I started listening to the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan. You know, that's you know a great uh, segue from our. You asked her. I didn't mean to like big time you there. I was like, oh, I don't remember. Meeting. No, I just, I, well, I just remembered right then, actually. And I threw that, threw it out there for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I started listening to his work and getting more into uh, traditional astrology, um, which led to me applying for a, a scholarship to UAC 2018. And um, 
you know, from AFAN, the, the uh, Association for Astrological Networking. I got a full ride to UAC. And, oh, wow. Um, so that was really cool. And Got to meet a ton of people, including yourself. Sorry, that I don't so embarrassed now that I remember. Um, it was a life-changing experience, though, that, that conference in general. I got to, to uh, meet a lot of cool people. And like, it really inspired me to see that this is uh, something that is possible to do as a, as a pursuit, as a, you know, a career or something like that. It gave me confidence to start doing that. Um, I also met um, a person that I've been apprenticing under... Um, at the time, his name was Adam Ellenboss of Nightlight Astrology. He's since mm-hmm. changed his name to Achutabhava um, since he went through an initiation as a, a bhakti yoga monk. Mm. Um, but he's an, an incredible teacher and he and I really vibed really well. And I've been apprenticing with his Nightlight Astrology program for the last two years-ish um, and reading a lot of material by Demetra George and Chris and Austin Kopic and, uh, you know, just transitioning from that music career into being a professional astrologer. Um, I've been doing a weekly forecast for the last um, eight months or so. Each week, I do like an hour to an hour and a half YouTube video where I go through all the aspects of the week and um, write some very detailed notes as we've been joking about. Yes. <laughs> we both have some Virgo placements and we just Virgo out on all the, the details and dignities and things like that, and the tarot and uh, which is fun. You know, I love it. It's just uh, sometimes I have to be careful not to overdo it. Yeah, um, it's not I was joking with you. I was joking <laughs> with you earlier that like to prepare for this, I have like eight pages of notes in very written, very small, you know, so. <laughs> very small and very exacting <laughs> right. with all the, well, and you know, I have to say though, what we are have coming up in, in Pisces season is lot. worth eight pages of notes because yeah. it really is that, you know, this is a pivotal, uh, uh, month or, you know, as far an astrological month yeah. um, that is underway and, you know, for 2020 as a whole. So uh, your notes don't surprise me, but we were making jokes how, cause I like to make a lot of notes too. And then I found what was happening was that I wasn't even using my notes. Once I would get on air or we would talk, you know, it would just kind of come to me or new ideas would come up. And so it's just kind of, funny how that plays out <laughs> but um it's like well, a security blanket you know yes, like, you is. don't always have to use them but you know that they're there if your brain starts farting out or something yeah like well some people are great at winging it and actually yeah. that's what we were talking about because spencer and i share pretty much a, a similar journey of transitioning um from music to astrology although let it be clear that both of those sides live completely as a yeah. whole within us not one will never be gone you know it'll be actually the balance between the two too, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, we just found that... Uh, oh God, I don't even know where I was going. See, I lost... I don't have a note for this thought. <laughs> and uh, no, we just kind of found it really funny that we both prepare so much. But oh, that's what it was. You know, with musicians, and especially when you're doing improv work, um, which any good musician should be able to do, uh, you have to work on the fly. Like you got to take yeah. ideas, have them come to you and just work with what you got. And it's like split second thinking. Uh, it's actually not mm-hmm. even thinking. It's more instinctual and kind of intuiting and like just letting your flow body... State. Flow state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Flow yeah. state. Um, but we're also cancers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, there is that water element <laughs> yes. happening here. 
So, yeah. and that's actually Spencer. That's why I wanted to bring you on for this particular program is because I knew that you were a cancer uh, and mm-hmm. uh, this is Pisces season. And so yes. I needed another watery, you know, a fellow water sign to kind of come on. And I mean, as far as our sons are concerned, the, the, Pisces is the ninth place from Cancer. So right. we're doing this broadcast here today <laughs> what, yeah. as we look into the future of what Pisces season is <sighs> going to bring. Um, so I guess one of the first things to get started with is like, I mean, what does even Pisces energy bring to the table? What does Pisces energy <laughs> want of us? I mean, what do you think? I, I mean, I think it, it all starts with Jupiter, right? I think yeah. we have to really dive in to Jupiter's signification to really get the the vibe for Pisces. Uh, one of the teachers that I study through my explorations in nightlight astrology is um, one of the Bobs, right, from Project Hindsight, Robert Schmidt, and mm-hmm. been you know getting in 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 touch with his work. And one of the things I really liked about what he said is that the uh, the planet is like the essence and the the uh, the universal ideal that's trying to birth itself through the. The, the temple or the birth channel of the sign. So we're seeing Jupiter trying to birth itself through that sign of Pisces. Mm. Um, Jupiter is the greater benefic, right? It's the, it's the bringer or doer of good things, right? A um, couple other names that I had for this were um, in the Greeks called him Zeus. Uh, the Babylonians called him Marduk. Uh, Marduk. And the cool thing about that is those two... Uh, both of those mythological stories include um, battling a dragon and creating cosmic order and becoming the, the king and the, the king of the gods and the, the leader. So I think that we are seeing with Jupiter and Pisces is battling a dragon and trying to create order. Uh, uh, Robert Schmidt called Jupiter's essence the, the, the desire to confirm and stabilize things. It brings order and bridges things. Um, you know, and from a modern perspective, we see uh, expansion, um, affirmation. Uh, it is the universal judge. Mm. Um, you know, it's all about bringing honors, relief, freedom from bondage. Uh, Demetra George says it. You know, she talks about friendship with eminent people, favors of leaders. Um, the poetic word for it was phaethon or the radiant one. So. Uh, yeah, there's there's uh, some good stuff going on with Jupiter. Being the greater benefic, I think it's concerned with definitely uh, a spiritual journey. Um, you know, sages, priests, uh, great, they called it the great man of Jupiter. It's like Santa Claus, you know? <laughs> He's very Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, it's Santa Claus bringing you good stuff. I, I thought about this too, like not just Santa... Santa Claus is more, I think, like Sagittarius Jupiter, I think that like, you know, like King Triton from like Little Mermaid is like mm-hmm. Pisces Jupiter because he's in the ocean and things Aww, like that. Oh, that's a cute image. So, uh, <laughs> he's, you know, and he's always trying to look out for his daughters and, you know, things like he can get a little blustery every once in a while, but, but uh, he has good intentions and eventually like, you know, sees maybe the error, the error of his ways or whatnot, if his attachment to belief. But I think it's um, belief, generosity, the search for some kind of spiritual connection. Mm. Um, and this is the, you know, if we talk about uh, Pisces, it's the nocturnal temple, right? It's the uh, place where uh, Jupiter is going to be going off on a journey, right? And I think that you talked about, you just said that um, 
the Pisces was the ninth house from cancer in cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool uh, significations because cancer was the rising sign in the uh, natal chart of the world, the yes. theme of Mundi, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And one of the things I've been working on is like looking at the tarot and the decans and um, making associations with those uh, those houses in the theme of Mundi. And you can see in those three um, tarot cards, the eight, nine, and 10 of cups, mm-hmm. uh, a kind of a, uh, oh, I don't know, a correlation with that ninth house, right? The ninth house being the house of God, being the house of spiritual pilgrimages, being the house of, it was the, <clears throat> the joy of the sun, right? The king. Mm-hmm. Um, also a cool thing to think about, and I think this really helps us understand Pisces, is the ninth house is a cadent house that's moving away from the angle, away from the 10th house of action out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And what it's doing is it's... Uh, so you're familiar with that, the primary and secondary motion of the zodiac? In... Uh... What do you wait? What do you mean? Okay, so <laughs> so this about? is something. I, yeah. So this is something I learned. It's from, early for me. Yeah, it's something I learned <laughs> right from my teacher, uh, uh, Bhava, right, or Adam mm-hmm. Elmbas. Uh, he he really describes this in a great way. Is uh, how significations can be thought of in terms of the two motions of the zodiac: the primary motion, which is how this is clockwise. Yes. How the sun rises in the east, culminates in the south, and then sets in the west. Mm-hmm. And then the zodiacal motion, which is counterclockwise, yes. where the planets are moving in that zodiacal order. And you've got this push and the pull, this mm-hmm. yin and yang type of energy. And those angular houses, 1, 10, 7, and 4, are like the power points. And when we have the, uh, the succeeding houses, the ones that are moving into the angle, those are coming into power. The cadent houses, cadent means to fall away. They're falling away from the power. Yes. So the way that I understand that ninth house and, and Pisces, and I'm and maybe making the mistake of doing that like 12-letter alphabet thing, but yeah. I, think this is the, I think this is the real 12-letter alphabet. I think it starts with cancer. Cancer, yeah, no, that's... You know? I, that's <laughs> yeah. Mm. That could it's, be a podcast in itself. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that... Uh, we are moving away from action out in the world because we are trying to find meaning. It's saying, okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing this stuff, but why am I doing it? And I re- in my research for Pisces season, I see a lot of that uh, trying to leave material success behind in search of some sort of material reality. And I, I think that that's really the biggest thing that I noticed, uh, an overall overarching theme is how are you... um, It's like a journey of the mind and of the soul rather than a physical journey. Like Sagittarius is all about, you know, it's the centaur. It's going on a physical, um, you know, taking action out in the world. But this is all about going on uh, a journey in the mind and in Mm. the soul and in the imagination. It has a more receptive flow to it where we have to be open to kind of the wellspring of spirit that is flowing through. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, and there's a couple things about this season that are really going to 
play into actually what you're bringing up here, which I think is an excellent point because A, we have, you know, we're starting Pisces season out with Mercury retrograding through this sign. So we're already, you know, we're already kind of going back within, we're getting in touch with this soul space, the the why of the do, right? You know, why Mm. am I doing this? Am I finding meaning in what, uh, you know, how my life is set up? Is it speaking to my soul? And it really comes back to that Jupiter uh, energy that you've stated first and foremost, and he's absolutely right about that. With Pisces season, we are going to be looking to Jupiter who is currently in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Capricorn is cardinal earth energy. And as we have, you know, Saturn and Pluto had just made their conjunction. Jupiter's about, you know, and that's going to be another highlight that we're going to get into. Jupiter's going to be making some conjunctions with those points and Mars is going to be, as Mars is there, uh, helping that along. Um, But this is a point of uh, starting fresh in the material realm. And so it is very key because it's so easy to just keep on doing what you're doing, right? (laughs) You know, and going through the motions in life. And I think a lot of people are finding it harder and harder to do such things because really we are all changing and evolving and spiritually growing. And we get the first part of the season to kind of pull back into that and to take the time out to go with the flow to get in touch with this new, you know, uh, revitalized sense of meaning, which could bring us back to something because sometimes what is meaningful to us uh, has been experienced in other ways, but we have to reconnect with it. Um, and yeah. so there, you know, and that might be part of just the idea of Venus being exalted in Pisces right. uh, as an, another type of dignity that can kind of be put up, um, especially as she tours through Aries doing her thing that is disrupting uh, some, you know, values are changing and there might be parts of ourselves that still need to be uh, opened back up to uh, and reconnected with or just getting in touch with what we're even attracted to anymore. And if that impulse is being built in the real world moving forward. Um, And I think we're going to get there by the end of this season. I think there's going to be a lot that goes down that really moves this story forward. But I think that first part is still, you know. I think you're absolutely right about, you know, looking towards Jupiter and Capricorn. Because I I don't think that we can separate... Uh, the condition of Jupiter and how we're going to experience this Pisces season. Because Jupiter is in its fall. It's mm-hmm. at the bottom of the wheel. It's like in the bottom of a well or it's it's somewhere where it is in low position. It's in Saturn's house. We're being like I I've been looking at this and uh it's very difficult for Jupiter to to birth things in that particular realm. And what we're being asked to do is to consolidate, is to grow through maybe coming to terms with our limitations through shaving the budget down, uh through putting in the hard physical work uh, to achieve our dreams. So I I think that this is uh, something where... (laughs) The sign. You don't even need to say anything else. I I think your sign just said it all. (laughs) Right. I mean, here's one example. Here's one practical example. Uh, So when Jupiter moved into Capricorn, I did like a deep uh, dive into my personal budget. And I was like, okay... Some of my expenses are increasing, like my rent's going to go up or something like that. And I have to figure out how am I going to create more room for resources that I need to do what is essential and what is necessary. Remember, Saturn is necessity, a non-K. It's the stuff that we have to do, but we don't want to. 
Mm-hmm. And like one just really small example, I I uh, switched phone companies. Like I, I get got rid of this bloated, huge corporate phone company and got this super pared down phone thing that's shaved like something ridiculous, like $200 a month off my budget. Oh, wow. So like bringing good things by releasing something that is no longer serving you or is corrupted or is bloat. And I think that's really how to use this Jupiter properly is really examining how can you bring benefit by getting rid of the things that don't long, no longer serve you. And the other thing about this, I, I love what you're saying about finding new hope. Okay, I think really we are going to be finding new hope. I think our hope, I don't know about you, but in the collective, it seems like hope is at an all-time low right now. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh, it's so... Okay, so Spencer, I actually had a dream this morning and I feel like this is the perfect time to bring this up and especially in relation to Pisces season. So I had this dream um, where I was in what looked like kind of a marketplace or maybe a convention, you know, people had tables set up. And I went to this one table that had two drag queens at the table. And by the way, I love drag queens. I have an obsession with drag queens. And I was talking to uh, these ladies and I got real close to one of them in the face because sometimes my dreams will go into this like kind of very intimate view where I'm like looking at this other person like dead in the face and like, um, and usually I'm imparting, sometimes I'll have these dreams where I'm like imparting some sort of wisdom or I'm preaching, (laughs) you know, Mm. it seems right. But I was telling her, I was like, I was like, it's all about compassion and we have mm-hmm. to have compassion because that is the key uh, in the wellspring of humanity. And I was trying to convince her that the whole secret to everything of, of well-being all lies in compassion. And I woke up and I started to think about it. And, you know, I just read an article yesterday how there's, a, you know, a devastating locust swarm that is going through, you know, Africa and all the plagues you know, of the Bible. It's all the plagues. It's serious. I know. And it's like, I mean, part of it's almost laughable because it's right. like, I, what more could we possibly have go down here? But it starts, you know, here I am twirling in my head at like six in the morning thinking, well, Maybe that's part of it is because we're just so far away um, from compassion or I and hope does it kind of falls in there, but yeah. just that approach, you know, compassion for ourselves, for other people, uh, for the planet itself. And yeah. really, yes, it comes down to acceptance yeah. and surrender in order to right. have that compassion. But it like something about that dream just dawned on me and uh, that, you know, we're in the state we're in is because the level of compassion as a, as a whole of humanity, because if we're all connected in this, you know, we can't get away from one another. And that's really part of this Pisces season too, because Pisces is the sign that is, go- is the compassionate sign. It is the yeah. one that's going to help the fellow man is going Acceptance. to be able to yeah. realize that we're all connected and that it's, you know, it's part love, you know, and it sounds so cheesy to some people, <laughs> it's but it's though. not, it's so yeah. true. And yeah. every problem that we have seems to stem from the fact that we have absolutely no uh, compassion and it's literally raining down chaos uh, and and plague uh, and because we have to get back to this part. So it's going to get more extreme and more intense Mm -hmm. until someone wakes someone. It's going to take one person. No, it'll take everyone to wake up and be like, 
this is not the way to go about things. You know, it's just not the way. And so anyways, I, it's so funny that I had this dream this morning and now I'm going to be preaching it on the yeah. podcast here, but compassion. Well, um, look at it in context of what the season we just came out of, Aquarius season, true. right? This Aquarius full moon. I mean, you can think of that like uh, we were... Schmidt calls Saturn the concept of exclusion, right? So we, when we see the sun in Aquarius... We are, you know, we just got done defining ourselves at that full moon by what we are not. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so it's it's the exile, and we we've got all this kind of, you know, saying I'm not this, I'm not this, I don't like this, I'm rebelling against this, and I really think Pisces season's about getting back in touch with well, what do we really actually believe then? What is the guiding light that's going to help us move forward with our life? What what is going to what is that little spark in the soul mm-hmm. that is going to help us to to enact the externalized vision? Right? You know, Pisces season is all that. It's you know, I don't know. In the Midwest here, it's like that in between winter and spring where you've got this primordial soup this muck. It's like very fertile, but it's like this amniotic fluid that's mm. everywhere. And it's everything's merging together. Boundaries are being dissolved. Uh, and it's just, there's always this, um, there's this ambiguity right, that is happening around it too. That's why it can be confusing also, yeah. because what is trying to take form is not uh, completely ready yet. Like it, 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 the seed will push out at, at the airy season, but we're just trying to like, you know, it's like the the um, butterfly in the cocoon that has melted into like its just form like goop. has right into it's just <laughs> goop. Isn't that crazy? I just thinking about like like butterflies and caterpillars. They, they literally dissolve their body into liquid and <laughs> reform into something. I think that's Wild. that's Pisces season. I think right there, it's we're we're dissolving yeah. into the liquid inside the chrysalis, ready to be born at the spring. Oh, I love that, Spencer. Um, so we're all just goop right now, in we're case goop. you're wanting to know. We are all gooping away. And yeah. that, you know, this is very important to remember too, because uh, as we get into some of these transits and talk about some of the lunar cycle associated with it, you know, the new moon in Pisces uh, is just that, a new moon in Pisces, an immutable sign. And really, we're going to go through a first quarter in Gemini, a full moon um, in uh, Virgo, which I wrote Pisces on my note. That's not right. <laughs> full moon in Virgo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a last quarter in Sagittarius. So really this whole lunation cycle that is uh, forthcoming is putting us in this mutable space, in this goopy-like space change. where it's change. This is yeah. transition. This is two yeah. feet in one land. Uh, and we have to be flexible and adaptable and really go with the flow and know that things are changing to basically set up what is going to be another really dynamic season once we get around to that Aries ingress. But for right now, uh, you're going to admit this whole show is going to be about goop, just so you know. <laughs> We're going to keep coming back to the goop of it all. Um, so, okay. So Pisces season, it officially starts on uh, February 18th. Uh, it'll happen uh, just before 9 PM here on uh, Pacific time. So if you are anywhere else, even where with Spencer, you're probably looking mm-hmm. at February 19th. Um, but really that's when we get into Pisces and, uh, let me get my little notes up here. And, uh, so we have some things that go down before we even get to the new moon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the dark night of the lunation cycle of the previous season, we're, we, you know, we're transitioning into this Pisces realm, but we still 
uh, have to kind of sit with some dark, you know, darkness in the lunation mm-hmm. cycle before we can fully birth into it. So we're going to get in there about two, uh, you know, February 18th, February 19th. Um, but we're not going to have our new moon until the 23rd. So there will be about four days of kind of like just sitting in it, um, mm-hmm. sitting in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the muck. In the all, these, all the images are coming to my mind. I'm um, just imagining, do you, do you remember Nickelodeon when you were a kid? Did you watch Nickelodeon? Oh, um, you know. I, you, you can't I do that on television. On television. That's they exactly right. Dump a bucket of slime on your head. Yes. <laughs> like, that's what I don't like. know, right? Because that, that was the, if you say, I don't know, you'd get a bucket of slime right. on your head. You and I remember my mother, it's, we're just tangenting right now. Yeah. But I remember if any anytime I'd have that show on, my mom would come in and be like, what are you watching? Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, is, it was a nasty show. She hated it. Yeah, my parents like, hated it too. It's just slime, you know, yeah. or they'd say water and then have a bucket of water. Oh, and then there was like barf, I think his, uh, yeah. yeah, so. It was super grody. It was like a grody show. The kids were like, really like, I don't know, defiant and stuff. We loved <laughs> like, it. We loved it. I know. So, okay. So Goop basically turned yeah. into Gak. I don't know, you know, yeah. and so, so there's some Gak elements going on, uh, revisit your Nickelodeon if you're an 80s yes. child like we are. Uh, you know, we're telling our age right now, um, <laughs> This is the Cancerian thing though. We're just lo- lost in a wash of like childhood memories that are the, just going to bubble up. <laughs> to ain't the that the truth? Ain't right. that the truth? Um, all right. So some of our dark moon transits that happen before we even get to our uh, new moon in Pisces. So we're going to experience that first Jupiter-Neptune sextile, mm-hmm. which is um, an interesting point of 2020 just in general that there will be three passes of Jupiter and Capricorn making that sextile to Neptune and Pisces. Um, and which is fascinating. Okay, so I'm going to... I'm getting ahead of myself. So mm-hmm. basically in that dark time, we have Jupiter's going to sextile Neptune. We're going to have Mars now in the Capricorn trine Uranus, which mm-hmm. is an interesting component there. Um, and then also square Chiron at the same time, if you work with Chiron. Uh, and then right after we'll have the sun sextile Uranus before we go into this uh, new moon phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That seems like a lot of spiritual energy percolating around at that time too. And especially with that Jupiter-Neptune sextile, um, especially now that Jupiter is kind of coming in to uh, replace what, you know, Saturn who had just made all those sextiles last year in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, I mean, what do you make of these two kind of coming together? Um, so, I think I'm going to put this in the context of a, of uh, the sun moving into the first decade of Pisces. So yeah. I had a thought about Pisces sun season and how we're going to move through it through the different decades. And if you if you tell it in a story, it's kind of like Neo in the Matrix. Like, so you're familiar with the Matrix? You know right? what? I've never seen the Matrix. What? Oh. I know. And anytime I say that to someone, they're like, I'm one of those people that they're just things that I haven't seen. I don't know if it's a weird defiance inside of myself. I know I'd like it. I'm sure I'd be like, oh, this is... You'd the- like it. You'd I like know it. I would like it. I just have right, a thing so with movies. The, the gist of it. The gist of it is it's, <laughs> like the the hero, it's like the hero's journey, right? It's like the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. And I think oh, that's no, going to be really that. important for Pisces mm-hmm. season, like mythological thinking. And... You know, I think with the first decan of Pisces, you've got, um, so here's the order it goes in. 
The first decan is ruled by Saturn. Second decan is Jupiter. Third decan is Mars. Mm -hmm. So if we see we're coming to terms with the limitations of the physical world and going off in search of something with the first decans. And I think that's what's going to be happening at this dark moon phase. We're having a disillusionment with what we're maybe with our physical reality. And that will send us off in search of something, Mm. right? Yeah. And like with Neo, he leaves his desk job and he's like, you know, this drone basically in a cubicle and he gets uh, contact with some sort of awakening presence. And I think that that could really fit in with our Jupiter sextile Neptune, Mars trining Uranus as we're coming into contact with some kind of shock to our awareness. Mm -hmm. And in this case, he he was offered the blue or the red pill. And that says, do you want to wake up to the, the real reality? Right, because one of the things that Austin Kopic talks about in his book Thirty Six Faces, which is awesome, talking about the different decans, is that one of the things that they, he talks about with Pisces is uh, trying to craft um, a physical form from the perfection of the spiritual form, and it can never be as perfect as the idealized form. Yes. Right, it's kind of like Plato's Cave, right, where you're watching the shadows dance on the on the cave wall and you finally awaken to like that you're just watching shadows and then there's whole this whole reality beyond the cave yeah um and i think that's what we're going to be going through with this dark moon phase is we're going to be like okay jupiter's making that sextile the neptune um the 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 seed of this happened in around the 20th of december in 2009 okay this is the balsamic phase of the Jupiter-Neptune cycle. I've been studying this, uh, like synodic cycles of these outer planets and saying, okay, what phase are we in of this aspect? Mm -hmm. Not just what is this aspect, what what phase of the cycle are we in? So this is like, how do we integrate all the lessons that may have started in 2009 as far as our idealism, uh, as far as our connection to our spiritual journey, um, our connection to wanting to transcend, like Neptune is wanting to transcend or escape, right? So I think with this sextile, we may be seeing, okay, this is really what that longer term cycle was about. With Mars sex, uh, trining Uranus, uh, yeah, this one is about kind of putting kind of the rubber meeting the road. It's like, finally, <laughs> are you going to put the new changes that Uranus has been asking for you materially into action? And with an exalted Mars and Capricorn, you know, Mars becomes the general, this, this strategizer and says, okay, here's the plan. We're going to do this, 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 and this. We're going to delay some gratification. We're going to plan for the long term. And I think we're going to finally see the ability to start taking action on that new Promethean shakeup that needed mm-hmm. to happen in that Taurus ruled area of your chart. I mean, I think the real key though is you got to really look at your rising sign and look at what house this happens in to really get the vibe on it. Um, like for example, I'm a Leo Ascendant and this is in my 10th house. So uh, I'm going to need to really start taking action, 6th house Mars, trining the 10th house uh, Uranus, right? So it's like finally get to work, get the routine in and that'll help feed into a new persona out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And this can you, you can do this with your own chart too. Like in, so you're a, 
Can I, do people know your rising <laughs> Yes, they know my, <laughs> okay, they know my Scorpio rising, right. although that's rare so for a Scorpio rising to be right. so upfront with it. <laughs> so, so you have this in the seventh house. Uranus is in the seventh house uh-huh. of relationships and Capricorn is in your third house, mm-hmm, right? That's correct. So you have, you're, you're doing something where you're initiating something from the third house of the, the people that you share a community with, with your communication. And that is feeding into the way that you're doing something in your relationships and how you partner and how you have an approach with the public. Seventh house was also the relationship with the public as well. So there may be some action that you are able to take uh, in that area of your life that's going to create some whole new way of relating. Right. Well, I have a good example for you that's going to play right into this. So basically, and it's going to play into the Jupiter-Neptune sextile as well. So I started, uh, you know, really getting serious about my musical journey back actually in 2009. And I've had some ups and downs and bumps and bruises along the way. Um, But now after like a three-year hiatus, I am actually in a position again uh, to do a collaboration with someone. Um, And so I'm partnering up. Uh, with ideas that I've had and I've been sitting with, right? It's yeah. Jupiter and Neptune. You know, Jupiter Jupiter for me is my fifth house ruler. Uh, so we're looking to that creative energy. Uh, and of course, Neptune's in my fifth house there. And right. Neptune is always going to tap into, that's where, you know, music and cre- creative yeah. and spiritual energies can live. And so that's a really concrete example of my own agenda that's probably going to kind of come forward at that time. And, you know, that's it's, really key to remember um, because Mars going into Capricorn and it, you know, by the time this ingress gets here, Mars will already be there. Uh, It will sneak in just before we get the Pisces season. Um, But there's really something to be said about all that action energy that this exalted Mars is going to kick up. It'll be time to do, right? You know, Jupiter's already trined into this point with Uranus. And so maybe we had that growth spurt or we had you know, rearranging the beliefs of what's possible or the overall trajectory of how we'd like to grow uh, on our stories. But now Mars is here to be like, all right, well, what do you need done? Um, Because I'm ready. And so I think- Walk walk the talk. Walk the talk because otherwise, you know, and I think we're all going to be at the point where we want to walk the talk. And that might be part of Mars squaring Chiron around the time that it's also trining Uranus um, and tapping into this Jupiter Neptune sextile energy is that, you know, Chiron in, in Aries, part of the, uh, you know, the, I think the wisdom that we are getting out of this placement and the thing, some of the triggers that can come out of it too, is just your own sense of self and the, the ability to assert the self in the direction that it wants to go and to have new beginnings and to start things. Because it can be easy to stay in, uh, you know, the Taurus rut, right? But Uranus mm-hmm. is like, oh no, I'm sorry, but this sleeping bed is now, you know, being shooken. Uh, and you have to flow with uh, with you know your actions to honor you know what's kind of crumbling here um, to be rebuilt in some way, and so we are in the rebuilding phase um, in in many ways. And of course, we're going to be feeling all this in the dark hours of the moon. And so I don't know if it'll be so much that we just go right head into it there, but I think that just something is going to be activated below the the surface that will really uh, allow us to just get, you know, 
get the plan, right? Make mm-hmm. a plan, even make a plan. Make yeah. a plan. <laughs> you know, if you want to put your Mars energy into anything right. at the dark hour of the moon, you know, get into that space of introspection and start to make a plan and see how you can go. Now, of course, Mercury's retrograde plans can always change, right. but just taking those steps and getting in touch with um, the concrete movements and the the one step at a time, you know, because this I keep saying this, this is a tortoise race, not a hare race. And so mm-hmm. as long as we stay one step you know, ahead or like just one foot in front of each other, we're going to find that by the end of this season, I think we are going to be made more steps than we thought we could, (laughs) but it all starts here. With Mars being in the first decade of, of uh, Capricorn, you know, that, that is associated with the two of pentacles. Exactly. And that's about deciding where you want to build your empire. So I think this is going to be like, and remember, as it moves into the second deck, and that's like, that's the blueprint when you're making the plan. So I think that there's going to be choices about like deciding what area or what territory you really want to build that new reality, that new physical reality. And and I really think that on the 21st, that's what this is going to be about. You'll have some mm. insights, some really like flashes of insight. Say, yes, I want to build here. No, I don't want to build here. This and then you can move forward. You know, you have to have fertile ground before you can plant the seed, right? Yeah. You have to decide where is where is that where are you gonna dig the dig the garden? Where are you gonna hoe it up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it makes me think that, you know, I feel like much of us have the somewhat of a plan already because Jupiter is yeah. already there. Jupiter's yeah. already reached the, you know, the three of pentacles decan at that point. And so Mars is in the rearrangement because I think right. that we have a loose plan and our plans might change. But like you said, that Mars stepping into this two of pentacles zone and the two of pentacles is where, you know, basically what's happened. This is Jupiter in Capricorn area, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's significations going on. So fortune meets the devil almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that there's going to be, we're going to be juggling a lot of plates. We're going to have updated priorities. What you brought up earlier about, um, and you know, I've been saying this as well about constricting in order, you know, closing in on the path to actually be able to make concrete, um, you know, uh, movement and, and growth in life is it's, it's not like the world's our oyster right now. It's like, no, you got to pare everything down and just get that path narrow enough so that you can focus right. in this one area. And so I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Mars is going to be juggling some plates. It's going to be that's rearranging right. things here that's and there. Right. And, and it's, might feel pretty fast and pretty busy because that's the thing yeah. with that card too, is it's like, there seems, you know, there's no rest for the wicked almost at that yeah. point. Um, and especially paired with that, we're going to get, it seems like we're going to get tarot heavy here uh, in mm. this, uh, this episode, oh, yeah. but paired with that first, you know, the sun being in the first decade of Pisces and that eight of cups area uh, zone. And that's Saturn, um, you know, that's Saturn in Pisces, basically. And we're looking at uh, the moon and the universe and the moon, you know, moving through, we don't know. We're still kind of in this dark space, but we know something's wrapping up. We know something's ready to begin. um, And we still have to let go uh, of, you know, what still needs to be let go of. But also remember, because that's the thing too, is that the, uh, like the Eight of Cups, the Lord of Indolence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it was also known as, I I believe the Lord of Abandoned Success too, which is, which is fascinating because, um, you know, did we abandon it because it's not viable or did we abandon ourselves within it and we still have yet to reach it? 
And so that's part term with limitations, you know, it, it is. And, and the question is, is it, is it outside limitations? Is it how you limit yourself? You, you know, the, both are very valid because yeah. sometimes we feel like the world might be out to get us or that we're on the wrong side of karma or like you're just backed into a wall. Um, but sometimes we're our own wall. We're, our, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to take responsibility for that. It's a very Saturn world because, you know, even at the end of the day, Jupiter is looking to Saturn. And so all these seasons, you know, they keep coming back. This first part of the year is really just looking at Saturn so well, much. And Austin Coppock calls that first decade the labyrinth. And what's at the middle of the labyrinth generally? Oh, the Minotaur. The Minotaur. And so <laughs> there's there's demons or there's monsters. The dragon. Remember the dragon. dragon? Ex- exactly. Yes. We got to be Jupiter and go slay the dragon. And the, you, you're absolutely right. The dragons could be internal beliefs that just don't serve us. They could be the, that that inner voice that is pulling us away from our place of power and and you know making us doubt. Saturn is, is a planet that. It definitely brings doubt to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I does think, Pisces. They're exactly. Both, yeah. It, like, we, like I think that it's easy to get de- depressed around this period of time because the the inner and the outer aren't necessarily matching up, and that's mm-hmm. really where the the challenge is going to be: is how can you just not um, get too down as you wait for the manifestation of the vision. Because that's when you really feel the pain is when you have a dichotomy between, I call it the gap when I teach songwriting, the gap between your taste or your vision mm-hmm. and your skill set. And really, <laughs> the way that you close the gap, it never completely closes because that's just the nature of, of reality. Uh, but you do it by doing a, a lot of work and doing practicing and just going through your, your daily practice and you know, not think, overthinking it too. Yeah. Yeah. And what, you know, that's the thing. And that's a good point with the whole, you know, Jupiter just coming back to that three of uh, pentacles space is that there is a lot of work to do uh, this season. Um, And some of it will be tangible and some of it will be on ourselves. And, you know, just at the end of the day, practice makes master. So if you are serious about whatever, you know, the dream may be because it is Pisces season. So just dream lives and, and, you know, more imagineering and vision oriented um, energy is going to come up. Uh, And so we have to... And that's so Jupiter sextile Neptune, right? We mm-hmm. have to mar- we have to marry our effort there with the dream because it's the only way it's going to come out, um, and that has to be paired with uh, you know a sense of boundaries, but also being able to diffuse doubt so that it doesn't get in the way. Um, and so, and then we're at the new moon in Pisces. Okay. <laughs> so if you went to the dark moon, um, yeah. that's funny. So well, so. Here we have our new moon in Pisces, which is going to be February 23rd, which is a Sunday. Um, and it's going to be at four degrees and 28 minutes of Pisces, which is exactly trying my Venus. I'm like, oh. Ooh, um, lucky you. Yeah, I know. Uh, but speaking of Venus, <laughs> she is receiving a square from Jupiter yeah. that day as well. So there's actually a couple things that are kind of like seated in this new moon. So we have mm-hmm. the new moon um, and we basically have the sun in this, uh, you know, now separating sextile to Uranus, which I think is key for a couple of reasons. Um, we have Venus, who's going to be squaring the other, bene- two benefics squaring mm-hmm. in the skies um, from cardinal signs. Uh, and then we also have the sun, you know, moving on to also sextile Mars um, and then make that 
Kazemi conjunction with uh, Mercury, who's retrograde. And then, of right. course, Mercury retrogrades, sextile Mars. And so I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I'm just reading them all out there. Sure. Um, then we're going to have Venus square Pluto, which is going to be pretty intense. And then Mercury will then retrograde back to make its second sextile with Uranus. So and then we hit astrology. first quarter. So I, you know, I'm just giving you the facts now. And yep. now we're going to kind of dissect some of this. But what I wanted to say about the sun sextiling Uranus is, you know, on the 22nd here, is I think that this is going to be in the dark hours of the moon, right before we get to this new moon. I think this is going to be that piece of just awareness and just wake the, you know, something that just wakes us up um, in a, a way that we can really work with the energy and gives us the tools and the breadcrumbs needed to go through the Mercury Kazemi and then Mercury's uh, following two sextiles with Uranus. Because Mercury's already sextiled Uranus, uh, you know, before has already happened. And so it's going to be going through these um, kind of, it's going to just, uh, your mind is going to awaken some way. Something's trying to come through. There's going to be some sort of breakthrough. Uh, and we're already piecing that out. But the sun meeting that here in this dark place makes me think that we're just going to get that seed. We're going to get that nugget. We're going to get what we need to plant. Um, and then Mercury is going to come up and help follow the sun's directive uh, mm. at that that point. Um, but it's in these early degrees of Pisces, as we were saying before, in that same, you know, eight of cups type of energy. Um, but you know, so, so Spencer, what do you make of maybe the sun, the sun Uranus thing, but just also what Venus is doing because (laughs) where do we start? (laughs) Sun, sun sextile Uranus. That is, that is probably a breakthrough moment, right? As far as like the identity. And now that, that is also sort of a balsamic phase yes. of the Uranus sun cycle. True. So, and, and it, you think about the eightfold you know, phases that Dane Rudyard was talking about and Demetra George talks about. That last quarter balsamic phase is all about consolidating the seed that you learned throughout the entire cycle into something to be planted the next time. So I think that this is going to be like where we're figuring out, okay, we, we had this uh, Sun-Uranus conjunction on the 22nd of April last year, 2019, okay, mm-hmm. birthday. And I, want, I think you need to go back to that to see what was planted. And now how do we use that impulse of that cycle to create the new identity that is going to happen again when the conjunction happens in this spring, right? Yeah. We get a, a year. We're going to get another Uranus sun conjunction uh, at the beginning of Taurus season. So I, I think that it's it's kind of just a, this this particular sun Uranus conjunction is about reflecting on who we have become since last spring, and really integrating it and harmonizing it into our new. Uh, identity. Say, so, sun is a, a kind of associated with identity, the light of the mind, how we, mm-hmm. you know, project ourselves out into the world. And it, a lot of us have been going through personality changes and identity changes, and this is where you're finally integrating those and, you know, becoming, being more comfortable with just becoming the new you, really. Yeah. You know? 
So yeah. I think that's the the Sun Uranus thing. As far as the Venus, well, oh, but I like Christ. what you're yeah. no, but to play off of what you're saying, yeah. that and that kind of that identity uh, shift that might be going on in sitting more comfortably in the integrity of who you know you are now, based on yeah. what has gone through in the last year. Because let's be honest, a lot has gone through in the last year for yeah. many people, um, and so playing into that kind of shifting individuality and how we're going to start integrating this new. Uh, you know, this new cycle of what it means to be ourselves. You know, here we have Venus squaring Jupiter and any square, mm-hmm. of course we can get friction there, but it's also activation, you know, and these yeah. are benefics. So I think that, of course they can go too far, but, um, you know, having Venus in Aries right now it is going to help that sun agenda and just that connection to, to ourselves and what it is we need and where the, you know, individuality uh, and who I am, who I am, you know, we're talking about Aries here. Um, Venus is helping us open up to that. Venus is helping us in Aries rearrange that, right? Because she can't uphold what it's been and she's not meant to. She's got new passions. She's got new directives. Um, And now those are being pushed forward um, in this opening cycle, right? Uh, With Jupiter. And so where we're, what we're attracted to right now and, and where we're growing. And I mean, if we're coming back to the Deccans too, this is three of wands territory, which is looking out into the future and, you know, what ship do I want to come in? Sent it out. Yeah. Yes, right? And so Venus yeah. is ready to activate that coming off, you know, she's literally seeding in like an hour and a half later after the new moon. So this is very much a, a part of what this whole Pisces lunar cycle is going to mean right. is these benefics are teaming up. Um, in a in a, in a challenge, they're going to challenge who's can, who can give you more. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just kidding. I think that's the uh, key. Nice I think though. that's the key, though, is, is <laughs> questions of scale. Because generally, benefits, yes. even when they're in hard <laughs> aspect with one another, still bring good stuff. Um, but this one, both of these planets are in detriment are in debility. Yeah. So so we've got Venus in its detriment or its exile, and Jupiter in its fall. So I think that it's the only challenge I see with this is we could definitely be seeing a corruption of the good things that are coming in based on a desire because Venus and Aries uh, is kind of like, instead of letting things come to her, which is where Venus is at her best when she's Mm -hmm. receptive, she's actively pursuing in Mars's temple, right? She's like, I'm going to go get that. I want that really bad. I want it right now. You know, and and Jupiter is like, I want to bring things into being. I want to birth things, but he's in the house of death. So we've got this like desirous Mars in and squaring off with Jupiter, you know, who's all he's been being given is like death, 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 consolidation to bring birth with. And that could, uh, you know, that could be a little uncomfortable. I I think that, that, you know, we're, we're, I think that one of the things that happens when we have two benefics that are in debility is um, we can either have A, too much of a good thing, or B, we, like, especially with Jupiter and Capricorn, we can um, be functioning with a lot of hubris where we have these grandiose ideas that are maybe materially motivated when they should be spiritually motivated. Mm. And I think that's the real the, the real stickler here is that is you may think that you're trying to enact some sort of grand spiritual vision, but it may just be a selfish material desire that's getting put out there. And you, I think that's the real danger of it. Um, but I think that uh, 
as long as you're aware of that, that's something that you can kind of say, is, is this really part of who I am as a, as a spirit soul? Or is this just some selfish physical desire? Not to say that physical desires are always bad. We're you know, living in these bodies and we have to pay our bills and stuff. But you'll know the difference, I think, if you're really honest with yourself, if you're just pursuing something selfishly motivated and if you're really getting in touch with it does that make sense yeah no i totally i totally get what you're saying and especially in relation to you know venus and aries is all obviously looking at mars and capricorn now too so you know we have double capricorn basically capricorn is heavy on these two meeting two with one another and and really i'm it's interesting because what's activated as venus squares jupiter might play out uh in the slow moving of mars going to conjunct jupiter um, in, in its own kind of like integrated cycle type of thing. But, you know, I always like to bring up too, because we tend to lose sight and this is where Jupiter can trick you because, you know, Jupiter does bring good things, but good things are, can be very subjective. And sometimes we don't know what is good for us. Um, and that might be part of this is that I think at the end of the day, whatever happens and the moves that are being made, um, are, are for our best good, uh, but perhaps you know there's <laughs> it, it, it goes in a way that might be disorientating or it, or just you know because these planets are in detriment positions, yeah. detriments and falls, and you know they're they're struggling a little, but the struggle is okay because that means that you know it's just not meant to be upheld because something is better there's some t- mm. sort of thing coming that is going to be a better situation and that might be part of still that first deck in of pisces and what we were talking about already in the eight of cups and having to move on and let go and re you know reconfigure that and like you said uh bringing the the spirituality and the meaning of it um to make sure that that's matching up with how we're moving forward in the material world because because well, if it's all that, then maybe, you know. And, and look at who is in really, quote unquote, good shape right now. You know? Yeah, I know. Saturn. Saturn. And Mars, our two yeah, favorite and, and Mars, right. right. So <laughs> I, I think that Saturn is like, he's the big, the big boss. Oh, right he now. is. Just Saturn. The- is, so I think that if you have a vision, you just had, I think that the, the Venus Jupiter thing is, to me, the intuition I get with that is, Try not to overdo it with the dream because the resources that you need may be more limited than what you mm. think that you need. Uh, I, I think thrift is really an important virtue right now. Is can you work within the Saturnian limits of your life rather than trying to like move you know completely out of them and then finding out later you don't have the the money the resources the the i don't know physical things that you need to enact the dream because i think that's a real possibility with this new moon we're trying to get in touch with that inner spiritual dream but we're working with just a little bit less than we are used to and that's okay like sometimes it's not a this is something i say in my forecast is life is not a period of growth 24 7 you have to get in touch with like the periods of consolidation and stuff too uh you can't continually grow crops 365 days a year in the soil or you'll you won't have any nutrients left you have to let the soil rest every once in a while so I, i think that that's kind of what i'm seeing with this is what is really supported this year is getting rid of old habits that don't serve you getting rid of old stuff that isn't you anymore. And mm-hmm. I think by by clearing the deck, 
that's going to make space for whatever new thing needs wants to be born you know yeah less is more you know yes, that's what less is more and uh what we Christina Caudill and I were saying uh, in the Jupiter and Cap episode is you know uh quality over quantity you, you know go. this is it's it, you know in a very like super mundane thing the whole thing with Jupiter and Venus meeting to me is just just really opening up to moving forward and grow mm-hmm. I mean, on the basis, just the base, you know, depending on how it's going to go down, where we're going to consolidate, how that picture is actually going to look. We are opening to the, the desire to move forward and to take control of our lives the best that we can and move through this mutable season and this mutable space with that understanding that it's now time to move on um, mm-hmm. in many ways. And so we get through this, you know, we get to the new moon and the Venus and the Jupiter square. And then basically on the 24th and the 25th, we have a um, Mercury, uh, Sun, Mars thing happening. So... Mm-hmm. And I th- that seems very activating to me, to, you know, uh, in many ways. And it's not just that, too, because around that time, uh, we have um, Mars, who is coming in to conjunct the solar eclipse point that happened on uh, Christmas. Because mm. whenever Mars comes around to activate a solar eclipse point, and sometimes that can be a month, sometimes that can be a year later. It just depends right. on Mars's cycle. But this is a rather quick one. And so there are eclipse energies that are being activated. And then, uh, as Spencer pointed out in our preparation, it goes on to move to on the south node right. um, between the 22nd and the 25th. So... Basically, we have Mars doing all this, th- all these things, and then Mercury retrograde uh, in its inferior conjunction is meeting the Sun and tapping into those Martian energies. So, you know, mm. what comes to mind, Spencer, for for that little pile yeah. up for you? Wow, yeah, a lot of a lot of thoughts. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> break it to all, break the Virgo down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I, you're you're so generous for letting me do that. <laughs> you know, thank you. Um, First thing I think with the, the new moon and moving into these things is that one thing I've been examining uh, is a concept called escaping the bond. So there was a Hellenistic concept where the moon was said to be held captive on 15 degrees of either side of a new moon or a full moon. Mm-hmm. And where it's significations, like the moon is what brings things into manifestation. And one of the things I've learned from Demetra George's work is when the moon escapes the bond out of a 15 degree uh, aspect with the sun, the first planet that it aspects will give you kind of a vibe for that, that new moon lunation or the, or the full moon lunation and mm-hmm. help you find meaning of what's going to come into being. And the first aspect after the moon escapes the bond after this new moon is, is a sextile to Saturn. So that tells me, yes, <laughs> tells me like Saturn up, you know, it's time for you to get to work and like do the hard work that needs to be done. You want to do this dream? You better do the, the you know, every day, you better show up every day. Mm-hmm. You better be organized and you better work uh, hard. <laughs> like, yeah. so well, that, you have to have good habits to do that. Remember habits, you were yeah. saying that earlier. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And then with this sextile to, to Mars, that's interesting about the um, eclipse point. That's something that I um, haven't necessarily come across before. And so that's really interesting though, because then you can trace it back to that. When was that eclipse on the 20th or so? It was on Christmas. Christmas, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So trace back to that point and see what you want to take action on because Mars is that action impulse. 
it also though is a severing quality and yeah. i think that when we have the mars um I, I my thoughts on mars in the first decade of capricorn is leaving some area behind so that you can grow somewhere else. I really do think that this is about leaving stuff behind, especially with Mars being in the South Node. South Node's like the... <laughs> yeah, you are wrong. You are yeah. wrong. South Node's like the great anus of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I call it the celestial Drano, you know, where, you know, where we can flush it on down. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, I mean, look, we look have at the poop the, theme <laughs> with our South scatological, Node. Yes. Scatological humor here. Uh, um, this is our earthy moons. Yes, out. yes. <laughs> um, so I think that look at the the Scorpio and Aries ruled area of your chart and see if something needs to be let go of in those two areas too, because I think that something's going to be leaving your life with with that South Node energy. The other thing that could happen too is, despite having strong Mars, the South Node tends to weaken these planets. So it may be yeah. a point where we actually feel our willpower, where we're not able to muster the martial energies with the South Node being conjunct Mars. Um, that being said, Sun sextile Mars, uh, maybe this is a time to take an action on the new identity. But, but since it's in Saturn sign, I think it could be also by defining what you aren't. I think it's saying, I'm, I am not this. So I need to go in this direction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, you know, it really keeps playing into the Eight of Cups representation that, you know, and the fact that uh, the sun is going to be sextiling Mars and conjuncting Mercury from this Deccan decanic space and that you know the traditional card for that and when we look at the rider weight is literally someone walking away from something right exactly. they, we're at a waning moon it's like yep. it is, is going into the it's receding um and the fact that this all meets up and that might be actually part of the mercury sun kazimi uh mm-hmm. starting this new cycle is that we actually come to terms with something that we want to walk away from yep. um and then that uh, you know then we're energized by the sextile to mars to be able to do so. Uh, And then Mercury is able to, uh, you know, then go on to communicate that in some way. Um, And then we hit, Mars hits the South Node and and it's released. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really around that February 25th spot, if you have the, you know, pull back for some sort of meditation, some sort of going within, uh, because it's, you know, Pisces is not, it's not the same type of mercurial, like there's the idea. No, you have to Mm -hmm. give yourself space um, and and freedom of the mind in order to have visions and understandings and, you know, whatever that comes in. And if we have to allow ourselves the time and the space to do that. Daydream a little bit. Absolutely. You know, you know, it's letting go of the oars of life, right? Yeah. Uh, Retrogrades to me are divine course corrections. I mean, going back to that primary secondary motion, when a planet's moving retrograde, it's moving in alignment with the nature of the sun and how the sun moves in that primary motion, mm-hmm. zodiac clockwise. So it's like the planet doesn't have its own will anymore. It has to submit or surrender to the will of the divine will, the sun, right? The, the divine king, so to speak. So I think this is just like when the universe is just saying, you know what, You're, you have this plan but here, here's a better one. You know, here's yeah. just surrender a little bit. I'll give you something better if you just have faith and you just have hope, right? If you just, uh, it's like the hanged man, right? 
Mm-hmm. When you flip perspective and just allow something to happen. Mercury Kazemi too is like that Mercury is going into the heart of the sun, into the furnace to be reborn. So we're be, the, Mercury is being seeded right now with some yeah. new hope, some new vision because of our dissatisfaction. It, that's why we're going in search of this new, this new idealism. Um, yeah, I mean, think about. I'll go back to my Matrix thing, even though you haven't seen it. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, no." I'm, but like Neo, he he's leaving the known behind. He's leaving that corporate cubicle behind, that like everyday security behind uh, the the illusion. He's leaving the illusion behind, even though it feels real to him. Mm-hmm. He's awakening to some new reality that is maybe a little even ugly at times, but it is true. It is truth, right? And I think that's what we're doing with this Mercury Kazeme is we may be awakening to, to a, a new truth that may look ugly at first, but gives us a liberation from whatever that old story and that old narrative was. And <sighs> we're going to be moving through it, right? And gaining new skills. That's the thing in the Matrix. His hero's journey is like he awakens, he, he feels the call to adventure, he leaves the ordinary world behind. Joseph Campbell calls it the ordinary world. He, he learns new skills with a teacher, uh, Morpheus. And then he's able to kind of like master that new world and return and, and kind of manipulate it, right? And, and be the master of it and come back with the elixir of life, something that is some new understanding. He's returning to that same world, but now instead of being a slave to it, he is somewhat of a, oh, I don't know. He's, he's, I guess I used the word master. He mastered. I was like a pupper, puppet master. Like he yeah, had a little bit, right. he had more strings in the situation. Yeah. Um, well, that's so interesting because we're still keep pulling back to Jupiter sitting yeah. in this middle decan of yep. the three of pentacles and the mastering of skill, you know, yep. like that. <laughs> so it, it all really lines up. Um, and especially with the Uranus story that is playing out as Mercury, uh, you know, only a handful of days later goes on to make the second, you know, the next aspect. Well, basically Mercury seeds with the sun, sextiles mm-hmm. Mars, and then sextiles Uranus. And so right. all, everything that you just said really plays in to everything that's going on uh, at that yeah. point in my mind, because we're waxing towards, uh, you know, the first quarter moon. And so there, mm-hmm. there's a pretty much a bang kind of mm-hmm. uh, in a as much as Pisces can have a bang, <laughs> um, you know, in its own way, yeah. uh, an old spiritual bang um, that that's happening in this first, like just growing up light of this cycle. Um, and then we get to Venus squaring Pluto after this. Yeah. And we know that that's going to shake some Shut things up and how you're just interacting with other people, how smooth relationships are going to be at that point, how values are deeply changing uh, right. and attractions are as well. And, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot that is being reconfigured um, with just our attraction energy around February 28th. And that's actually when, Mercury then retrogrades back to sextile Uranus. So right. that that liberation quality that you were bringing up and like where he, Neo is his name, he yeah. leaves his, his job or his cubicle or his, mm-hmm. you know, confinement of uh, conventionality and, you know, right. of, of the society and is willing to go uh, towards these new, this new attraction, this new value. Uh, it's not going to be comfortable. This mm-hmm. requires deep, you know, shifts from within us and not only from within us on the outside of us too, it's because painful. if you change on the inside, 
at some point your life has to change externally. Otherwise mm. it's like a, a pressure cooker that's just going to like blow. <laughs> um, birthing pains, right? Labor pains. Absolutely. You know? so, Growing pains, birthing right. pains, anytime, <laughs> just pain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 oh, we are still goop people. Yeah. We're still goop. Keep that in mind. <laughs> We're tying it back in here. Um, and, v- and Venus and Pluto, I mean, that's about power, power dynamics in our relationships true. too. Yes. So that's Aphrodite and Hades meeting up and having an argument, right? Yeah. So like they, they're trying to, usually Venus wants to create harmony, but, but Pluto's like, okay, I'm going to manipulate this, this, and this. And it's, so I think the main thing that I was writing down about that is don't let your passions get you into a, 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 a battle of wills with somebody where you're using underhanded methods to try to control a relationship because that will that will create pain and suffering. <laughs> yes. And potentially backfire in yeah. some, you know, because obviously Venus's condition is very, um, you know, <laughs> it's a little compromised right now. It has its strengths in its own way, because no matter what, anywhere a planet is, it can do something for us. Right. Um, how pleasant that is in the end, who knows? But we know that she's going to go on to square Saturn too. And right. that's where the limitations are going to come right. in and the, you know, the hard walls, the hard boundary. Well, um, that Mercury retrograde too, sextile to yeah. Uranus. That's Hermes, Mercury, being able to finally, I think, deliver a message from the underworld. He's been the, the cycle pump, like going into the underworld. Like, But the signal hasn't been very good. It's like we're out of... Uh, cell phone reception. Out of range or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then we finally get some message that we hear that, that initiates the new uh, re- rebirth. Right. Well, and so to play into what you're saying, yeah. you know, so we get that message, we get the transmission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a couple of days later on March 2nd, we have a first quarter moon in Gemini, right? The message is received. It Mm -hmm. might even cause a little tension, but we know where we have to move forward. We know where we need to, what we need to communicate, uh, you know, get the word out um, or just get it solidified within ourselves. And and the mind is churning. The mind is moving. The mind is initiating a new agenda and it's all wrapped up in it, you know, Mercury meeting this, you know, the sun, Mars, and then Uranus, and then bam, first quarter in Gemini. Yep. And so that's all driving the energy. Now, right after we get past uh, first quarter, because um, we have decided we're not going to make this a marathon podcast <laughs> in the end, because we could. We could. But we could. We could. We have that option. Yep. Um, but so we get to this first quarter on March 2nd. Uh, and then the following day, we have that Venus square Saturn that I was talking about. So so here we've seen Venus uh, since the new moon. Um, in, the, in the new moon itself, she was seated with that square to Jupiter. She's since moved on to make a square with Pluto, which we just outlined, I think, pretty well uh, with the energies for that. And now it's a square with Saturn. Uh, and we know Saturn's big daddy right now, right? Because he's calling the shots on, on, in many ways. And you so, know what his favorite word is? You know what dad, but, what's daddy's favorite word? I don't know. No. No. <laughs> no. Dad's yeah. favorite word is no. <laughs> like this daddy's is. Yeah. So. He's like, I've had practice. Right. No. So, oh, so with that Venus squared Saturn, I mean, we've we've just gone through Venus 
bringing up all the the junk from the underworld, right? All the corruption's been exposed. And now we're getting coming face to face with the limitation, with the square to Saturn. It's the divine no, right? It's it's saying it's standoff, right? It's the kind of the yeah. maybe you're running out of resources or overwhelmed by responsibilities. Venus is in a sign that's very all about desire and pursuit, and it's going to be running face smack into the Saturn wall. It literally, uh, no. yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing is with squares too is that they they really are they're just they're. There, it's no one's fault, you know. Like right. you can give it your best go, but at the end of the day, if it's not, you know, these are cross purposes. This is a turning mm-hmm. of a corner, a turning of a page, uh, and not meeting eye to eye. And that's just the way it goes. And then this, when we're talking about dignity, and this is when we know who wins that, you know, oh, yeah. that that fight basically. Um, and Saturn's it's definitely Saturn. Yeah, Saturn is square. like. Yeah. So that that's the thing is it's all going to be Saturn. But, you know, and that might be part of Venus's journey as she is ready to grow and she goes through that, that dark underworld, you know, tension. And right. then now the boundaries come up, you know. Right. Um, and because at the end of the day, Venus is looking to Mars who's in Capricorn. So it's all coming back to Capricorn energy and that Saturnian element. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I honestly think that a lot of walls are going to be you know, a lot of lines are going to be drawn around mm-hmm. that time um, in whatever areas is playing out in your life or, you know, house rulerships. What it's have okay you. to have boundaries though, and especially in relationships, I you know, that's the thing. There, it's it's yeah. key. And if anything, we might yeah. find where we haven't had a boundary or we overstepped a boundary with the there Venus you know. and Aries, you know, and we're going to be kind of put back into our place or mm-hmm. we are going to put something in its place depending on that's where. Right. And sometimes we're going to put that, place in ourselves and you know because any relationship at the end of the day is you know what's the relationship to yourself what is the inner marriage going on and what level of wholeness are you operating on because when we get the partnerships at that point is just a reflection of whatever is inside of you and so we meet our progress projections outside of us, of course, and we can, you know, get into it in this reflection. But at the end of the day, there is, you know, it all comes back to us and our own level of inner harmony um, Mm -hmm. and how that's, how that's playing out. And the good news is, is that Venus is going to, this challenge is going to be alleviated pretty soon after that, as Venus moves into Taurus. So then it trines all that stuff. It does, but there's something waiting for Venus when she gets into (laughs) Taurus. Oh, no. uh, so her her <laughs> journey is not over yet. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on. We'll save that Venus nugget yeah, for just a second there. Um, but so here we are, you know, Venus is squaring Saturn. She's kind of hitting a wall a little bit there. We're growing in light. You know, we're past first right. quarter at this point. So, you know, any between first quarter and the full moon, that's when things are popping in in the world. And uh, so just know that this time period has a little extra, extra to it. But, you know, so Venus does her thing. And then the day after March 4th, we have Mercury moving back in to Aquarius, uh, Mm. retrograding back into Aquarius, and then making a sextile with Venus. So, you know, so here Hermes is coming around with its understanding that critical degrees, nonetheless, of signs, you know, they're going to be meeting at 29 degrees here. Um, And so, you know, Venus is going to get a message and a message, (laughs) a different type of message because, you know, Mercury is moving out of the Pisces and it's going to get more of that objectivity and that detachment and kind of the pullback 
of the bird's eye view rather than being immersed in the maybe the emotion of it. Uh, you know, and it's going to be important. An important message too. One of the the notes I had on this was Mercury is going to be emerging from under the sun's beams at four o'clock on, on Eastern time. So that Demetra George calls that uh, a condition of phosphorus or an omen that speaks very loudly. Mm-hmm. So this is where we may see some communication. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I thought I wrote March here- March 4th, that they, people, March 4th. <laughs> yeah, March 4th. I, I wrote down that like an ex could come back and like clean out the old apartment or you have some- <laughs> with its, And it, really with this sextile with Venus, I think this could definitely be we could see people like getting back in touch with old loves or relationships and things like that. And finally, like, you know, doing what's necessary to move forward and move Ooh. on from it. You know what I'm saying? Well, because when I think about, uh, you know, just air signs in general, and especially Mercury being in one, I always think about airing out and talk yeah. therapy. And and maybe, and it's going to be happening on the fourth is a Wednesday, which is Mercury's right. day. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and you know what's interesting too is if we pull back to the Deccan, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mercury is at that point is going to be in the Seven of Swords yeah. um, as it dips back into Aquarius, um, and we know this the Seven of Swords can be a little sneaky, a little shifty, oh, yeah. um, but it can also be very strategic, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on its positive side of things. Um, and so I'm interested to see how that might play in, especially since we know the moves that Venus is about to make. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Venus is coming up with a plan, if you ask me. Um, and there might be that transmission coming through that's that's helping. Uh, well, that's what I talked about with, you know, an ex coming back to clean out the old apartment. Because that yeah. seven of swords is like, you're leaving something behind, but you're trying to figure out what to take. Take and what, with you. Yes. Yeah, what to take with you, right? Yes. So it's like something's returning so that you can really examine something again and figure out what you've really learned and what you can take forward into the new cycle. So I, I, that's what that's what that meet that looks like to me. Like, oh, I like that. Out, so. I like that a lot. Just a, just a fair warning though. Like if, if like your ex <laughs> comes back to clean out the apartment and you figured out it's over, you know, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble if you like, like try to have like one last like fling or something like that. So, Venus isn't, well, yeah. and so. <laughs> like it's an well, Aries. Yes, right? at the last degree too. Right. And we know that she's about to change. Yeah. Um, and so basically, I love that, Spencer. That was yeah. great. Um, and so, so here, you know, Mercury is going to shoot that message, that retrograde message over to Venus. Uh, and then immediately the same day, Venus is going to move into, uh, into Taurus, which is the sign of her um, exaltation. Or sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, thank you. Yeah. But we're, when we get an hour and a half in, this is yeah, when the brain no, starts to get doing, a little funny. You're um, doing great. It's going so, so here she is in her strength, right? She's yeah. in her nighttime strength. Um, and what's so, so we would think that, you know, Venus and Taurus might be ready to maybe settle down mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of get grounded a little. But there is the issue of Uranus being at early degrees of Taurus. Sure. And yeah, so what's... Up. Yeah. And so basically what's going to happen simultaneously, Venus moves in on the 4th during this action, but on the 8th, just a few days later, which is going to be a Sunday, we're basically going to have Venus meet Uranus the same day that the sun conjuncts Neptune. (laughs) That's a huge day. That's 
That's a huge Such day. A huge Saturday, day. Sunday, the seventh and the eighth. Yeah. You know, mark your calendars because the yeah. following day is going to be the full moon in Virgo. Oh, so man. we know that things are coming to a head. You know, that yep. we're ready. That the lunar cycles pushing things into completion, maximum brightness. We are confronted um, with these energies, and they're both conjunctions, which are new cycles that are being born. Um, mm-hmm. And one is, you know. <sighs> It's such an interesting pairing. I don't even know. Spencer, what notes do you have? What did the Virgo write down? (laughs) Uh, So Venus into Taurus one associated with the five of pentacles, right? And it has a ton of dignity there. It's it's in its own domicile. It's the triplicity ruler by the Mm -hmm. daytime. Um, which means it has communal support from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so do- domicile is resources, availability to resources. Triplicity is of the nature of Jupiter, communal support. Yeah. It's going to be on its own terms from zero to eight degrees. So it no? gets to set its own curriculum as yeah. well. And it'll be in the exaltation of the moon. Like So it's it, there's just manifestation energy is very strong at that yeah. time, I think. And, and Venus wants to to be receptive like she emerged from the ocean as this like phosphorescent being and she was adorned by all these things because she was glowing so brightly like a jellyfish mm-hmm. and she doesn't have to pursue anything that's why venus has trouble in aries she's trying to pursue things when she just needs to be herself and yes. glow and then she will get the things that she needs so i think that that's going to be a lot easier to do as venus moves into taurus and when it comes into contact with uranus Man, that's just that's the awakening. That's the uh, you you got the elixir of life from the journey, uh, from the hero's journey, right? And you're finally starting to manifest that. I wrote down the the sun conjunct Neptune. That's in the second decan of Pisces, associated with the nine of cups. Austin Coppett calls this the net, which the net to me is the matrix. This is where Neo <laughs> has finally learned to like manipulate. He's he's gotten the training in the dojo, and he can like he he. He knows kung fu, which is what, which is what Keanu Reeves says after he's like been he's downloaded kung fu into his brain, basically mm-hmm. in the dojo. So it's kind of like you're learning to manipulate the the new reality, and you're able to uh, bring something, starting to bring something back. I think it's just a relationship breakthrough too, especially with material resources. Um, the first decan of Taurus talks about, it's called The Plow in Austin Coppock's book, but also material trouble and worry. It's these, yeah. it's these two figures that are like destitute, but they're outside of a church. Yeah. And from my understanding of the way that 36 Faces talks about this, it's not necessarily that they are destitute, although that could happen. It's that there's a fear and a worry about that. So that, that creates the impetus to get to work and to plant the seeds in the fertile ground is I don't, you know, this is where the, you first second Taurus folks are like, I don't want to be poor. So I'm going to get to work and, you know, plant my seeds and, and, you know, fertile, uh, I guess that's the fecundity of the ground, right? That's one of, that's a word I learned from Austin. He's got an amazing <laughs> vocabulary, fecundity. Fecundity. I, I know fecundity. I have a Sabian, my, my uh, ascendant Sabian symbol has that right. word in it. Yeah. So great. Such a great word. That's the first I learned it. I was like, what is that? When I read it, I'm like, oh, okay. So I think uh, this is the manifestation energy though, where, the, where we're yeah. finally seeing the thing come into form and that the, the ground is finally ready to birth something new with Venus coming into conjunction with that Uranus. Now that could also be a breakdown in a relationship too, where you're finally like, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. But I, I think with Venus being in good shape, this could be a, a good thing. 
I think there's a good thing coming with yeah. this, you know, and that full moon. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, so here's the thing with the, uh, with Venus meeting Uranus, because clearly she went through a whole thing. We watched her square Jupiter, square Pluto, square Saturn, and then now she's stimulated with this lightning bolt. She's fully awakened, um, and she is just, you know, there, there is, there's a rigidity of energy that comes through Uranus, um, and mm-hmm. especially in Taurus, too. So I think once uh, she's open to something or has, like, understood her... Uh, her position after all these subsequent events um, that I think she's going to be pretty locked in to however she's feeling. And I think paired within that, that sun Neptune conjunction that's happening in the second decan of Pisces in this nine of cups territory, Mm -hmm. you know, we think of the nine of cups, you know, it can come up as like the wish card or, you know, or or the Lord of happiness. Um, And I find that when this uh, card comes up in readings, a lot of times it's not that necessarily the wish is granted, which could be the case for some people because bam, Venus in uh, domicile hitting Uranus, you know, the gift of Neptune, you know, a miracle happens, you know, that could happen for some people. Um, But on the other side of things, it might be at this time where the sun and just our overall awareness and back to this kind of individual core and uh, what's being awakened in our own purpose is the idea of happiness and contentedness. And if we aren't there, then we are going to be seeding in spiritually to what that looks like and what would give a satisfaction in life. And so these questions might be at the ready and might be part of the full moon and the page that's turning because, yeah. you know, the full moon is uh, happening in Virgo. And we're talking about these being mutable energies, earth energies that are shifting into a different type of form. You know, the goob right. is shifting. Yeah. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, Mercury is stationing on yeah. the full moon day, just about less than 12 hours after the full moon. Ooh. So yeah, there, everything is kind of coming to, uh, to focus um, and, and uh, just really being illuminated uh, by March 9th with this kind of shift around. Um, and then basically the sun goes on to sextile Jupiter and move us mm-hmm. forward a couple days later. Um, and so the 8th, through the really the eighth through the eleventh, just for like a whole sequence of kind of you know movement is, is very interesting to me, and I'll have to see how that plays out. Time definitely manifestation, yeah. right? It's like, that's when the dream is starting. We're trying to figure out, okay, how do we bring the dream to reality? How do we uh, the the that uh, second deck in a Virgo uh, was associated with um, Hephaestus, right? The mm-hmm. the uh, the blacksmith. Uh, Austin Coppock calls that the hammer and the anvil. So it's kind of like, how are, what are you going? And remember, this is this is kind of neat. Hephaestus was was like the consort of Venus. They were married in like That's traditional right. astrology, so or traditional mythology. So it's kind of like the what if, what if, what ugly things do you have to do to pound into existence to create beauty? Right. And, and how do you marry those two things together? I think that's really this full moon is how, what kind of, you know, hard, how, how are you going to get your hands dirty to really turn this vision into something that will manifest in the form? 
That seems very appropriate for a Virgo full moon, yeah. right? You know, like, and we're we're brought down to earth, you know, like the the Sun uh, Neptune conjunction, you know, that might take us somewhere, but at the end of the day, that's immediately waxing to a very uh, real life situation that is changing and moving. And I like the idea of having to get your hands dirty in order to really tap into this Venus uh, Uranus energy that's trying to strike something up. You know, it, it's it is, it's calling to manifest. It's opening the shape of form so we can. Um, right. But given, in order given to a do body, that. Give a body to spirit, right? Right, given a body yeah. to spirit. Um, yeah. But all back to Jupiter and Capricorn and we have mm. to still consolidate. So it's not, you know, a free-for-all and a buffet of a spiritual, you know, life nope. moving forward. Um, and that's really what Virgo's good at is discerning what is key uh, right. in the process and what needs to go. And well, I think and Melissa, that, tell me, tell me what, yeah. yeah so you, you know what the nine of uh, pentacles is, right? Well, and that's interesting too, yeah. that I was thinking about that in relation to even what you're bringing up with uh, the financial element of Venus sitting over in the five of pentacles zone and mm-hmm. where the nine of pentacles is, you know, the woman with the peacock in her garden and she is fully yeah. self-sufficient. She, right. uh, she is a, an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. you know, she is a, a force unto herself that has extreme uh, powers of manifestation. Um, and so that is, and I like discrimination. that. And, and discrimination. discrimination. <laughs> because in some cards, that, that bird is a falcon. And that, that falcon is, is taking care of any pests that come into the garden. That's so right. it's like it's figuring out what stays and what goes, right? And says, okay, this is going to stay. This is how we're going to create growth. This is what we need to get rid of. And that's, yeah. I think that's what Virgo stuff is really good at. Um, and so I think weed from the chaff. So get your sides out because, you know, the Saturn (laughs) is definitely speaking. Um, So, all right. Well, we're actually kind of getting much like last year or last year, last month uh, with Aquarius season. So much action happened in prior to the full moon. And we kind of have these maybe more, it's giving us time on the waning cycle to kind of integrate some things. So basically between that full moon on the ninth and then our last quarter in Sagittarius on the 16th, we have a bunch of sextiles taking place. Uh, Like I said, the sun's going to sextile Jupiter on the 11th, uh, Mars sextiling Neptune on the 14th, on the same day that the sun sextiles Pluto. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that when you said moving on the dream, I was like, Mars sextiling Neptune with the changes of the sun and the, and the Pluto, you know, like yeah. that makes sense to me there, especially as Mercury's sitting at the, tw- you know, the last degree of uh, Aquarius, you know, kind of in this bird's eye, pull it all back. I see where it's going. Uh, and then it's about to move into Pisces again the, the next day. And so I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to make some movement based on everything we went through <laughs> yeah. with the awareness of everything we went through um, between the 11th and, uh, and really I think you may receive order. help. The sextile was of the oh. nature of, of mm-hmm. Venus. So like this is where we kind of can receive like that. some kind of assistance from maybe you know some important people in our life. Like it's a harmonizing influence. And then with that sun sextile Jupiter, that could definitely be a gift that we receive, you know, like something like that. Even if it's just like someone offering to help us bring it into manifestation, that could be 
Uh, that's what I'm looking at. I, this is the point in my notes where I like ran out of steam and have one sentence for each no, of Even the Virgo runs out of steam, I tell you. Um, well, you know, to think about that too, just in relation to, to keep on our tarot correspondences, yeah. you know, by that time, the sun and Jupiter both will have moved on to the 10 of cups and mm-hmm. the four of pentacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the four of pentacles, you know, there is that power aspect and uh, maybe someone in power or someone who has a more solid force or can help to give a more solid foundation around something is coming forward. Uh, and especially with the sun in that 10 of, uh, you know, cups area, which is usually mm-hmm. the, the shining rainbow and the, you know, yeah. all this well. Uh, but the rainbow can be fleeting too. So, you know, that's yeah. the thing. It's like any 10, it's a turning over. So, uh, you know, get the help while you can, why it's still, why it's here, why it's like magically Mars sextile Neptune, it's magically presented itself because it might not be there later. So yeah. I'd say if things come in at this point, you know, like grab a hold of them while you can uh, and then get the foundation that comes through, you know, the opportunity that you're getting and, and then know that just might be just a passing thing that's helping the transition along. Uh, well, that's, a Mars long- real, that's a Mars real decan too, the, the third decan of Pisces. So That's there's sacri- right. sacrifice involved for the vision, yeah. you know, and, and like really taking action on our idealism. Uh, a lot of the material I read talked about just like really pursuing the dream at all costs. And so I think that the, the danger of that is, is like pursuing your ideal until you completely like collapse or, or whatever. But, um, but I think this is a time like because it's Mars rule that we're taking action on the dream, you know, and we're, we're trying to bring it, use our willpower to uh, manifest, you know? And yeah. To, well, the sextiles here. Yes. And so what's basically going to happen is we're going to get to last quarter uh, in Sagittarius. Um, and what's not happening in Pisces season, but happens pretty early in Aries season, is we're going to have basically Mars, Jupiter, uh, and Pluto all meeting up in conjunctions mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at the you know at the beginning of Aries season here, um, and I look at this last quarter moon and, and what we're being pushed into uh, this Jupiter territory once again because it's in Sagittarius. Mars is getting ready to meet there. You know, something's about to be, you know, a full new growth cycle that is just about to be underway. And I think this last quarter moon in Sagittarius is getting in touch with our our story. Where are we journeying? What, you know, are you ready for the adventure? Because it's going to be one. Big changes are coming down the pipeline in less than a couple of weeks time. Um, and this is where we might have to sit with it uh, and, and like really kind of percolate with it because just, you know, it is that crisis of consciousness position right. where we might be feeling like, oh, am I going this? Is this the right path? Am I making the right changes? Right? right. It's that 10 of, wands ten of wands area where we might be holding on to too much. And at that point, we know we're like, oh, well, I got it. I can't hold this for much longer. It's going, it's too heavy. Or why am I holding this and who am I holding this for? Uh, because that is another Saturnian Deccan, you know, uh, that, that, that card represents. Um, and the thing that's interesting too here is that degree, 26 degrees of Sagittarius, you know, that is the point of, uh, at least for anybody born between before 2012 is, you know, that's our galactic center. You know, there's something, there's, we're in touch at that point and we might have to get through our own doubts <laughs> in order to c- carry on uh, mm-hmm. that wayward son. Uh, <laughs> it, but, you know, there, and it can feel like a burden um, yeah. with 
what we're presenting because the aspects are pretty big that are coming. You know what I think about that card? I think about the concept of being, have you ever heard the term barn eager? Barn eager? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the term barn eager is like when you have like a horse that's been on a really long journey and mm-hmm. they finally get within a few miles of home and they get this kick in of energy to just make it home. Oh, uh, and I, I think like that, that. that that could be one thing that we could feel too is we're like... We're, I've gone this far with it. I'm just right around the corner from manifestation. It feels like such a weight, but I'm just going to carry it and you get that burst to the end. Oh, I love that. Especially since it's horse related with our Sagittarius theme. That's perfect. So we're going to be barn eager. Barn eager. (laughs) At that point. (laughs) We're going to be barn eager. We're going to get our last little uh, to get going here. Um, And then basically during that, you know, before we hit the sun makes its ingress into Aries and in that uh, equinox point, uh, which is always a turning, you know, these turning of the seasons. These are, this is yep. what our astrology is even based off of, uh, you know, the system that it's based off of. Um, but right before it does that, uh, and really where our report ends here, uh, we're going to have that sun uh, sextile Saturn. And the last aspect that makes from Pisces is mm-hmm. going to be to finally get in touch with what Saturn had to say this whole time, right? 29 <laughs> degrees, man, right? I know. <laughs> like, oh, I know. Man. And well, and it's important to recognize the fact that, yeah, the sun's moving into Aries after that, but Saturn's moving into Aquarius too. Yep. Um, big that's shifts. Big shifts. Big yeah. shifts. So yeah, just it, that's just tying all the loose ends together. And like- It really is. Getting in touch with how you've been able to restructure your life and getting ready for that whole new start with uh, you know Sun and Aries, Saturn and in Aquarius because it's going to look a lot different. I, I think it's going to be good. It's not going to be as heavy. Uh, it's going to it's going to lighten the mood a little bit because it's just Saturn and Capricorns. Everything in Capricorn is just there's just a weight to it, you know. And I think oh, that. I know. <laughs> I think that will I'm not saying it's going to be perfect when Saturn goes into Aquarius, but I and think it's it, going to come back to Capricorn. So don't get yeah, too excited. Exactly. But uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I'm like, just who? Ever since Cap uh, Saturn moved into Capricorn back, what was it like, December 2017? Mm. How long it's been here? I swear to God, I can't get away from construction in my neighborhood. One house begins, the next one starts, you know, ends, the next one starts. It's well, like you and literal. I got our butt kicked though, because we're cancers. I know. <laughs> like, we're, so we're, if anyone's ready for Saturn <laughs> like, to move on, yeah. it's the both of us right here. Yep. <laughs> um, but I will say it's headed to your Leo rising. It's headed to your angle now. So I Great. wish you, uh, I'm one to talk, but I have an angle in Aquarius too. So. Yeah, you've got it. <laughs> Darn it, Spencer. What? You know, you that's that's always what's so funny. You have a client. When's it gonna end? Right. Never. There's always something Never. else. You know, life is just constantly gonna. No, go that's what, that's what I've learned. That's a great piggyback on. You know, you were talking about some tips to deal with this, right? Yes. And I think the first thing I want to say is just exactly what you said. Astrology is endless. It's always going to be turning of a cycle. Uh, and and I'm realizing this as I get older and into my. Forties <laughs> and wiser, <laughs> wiser, wiser is that uh, life is always going to be throwing challenges at you, and you're the one that changes. Life isn't always the one that, thing that's changing. You as a person are changing, and really, the point of astrology is not to get totally fixated on all the spinnings. It's to connect with the center of the wheel and to connect with you as a spirit soul, rather than just being tossed about by all the turnings and machinations that we experience, because they're always going to be like that. And if you connect with your center, and that's really Pisces season right now, is connecting with your center. 
you're going to have such less anxiety. I don't, one of the things I love to say is that we can't escape pain in life, but we can choose not to suffer by, by just accepting and going with the flow of our life rather than resisting and trying to paddle upstream because that's when we get exhausted. That's when we start to suffer. Um, so don't force the issue. Allow for divine course corrections. Allow some private space for dreaming. Uh, remember to come back. Don't get lost. That's important. Uh, connect with your renewed sense of hope. Listen to music. Watch movies. Your, your divine assignment is to watch The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> like, daydream. Daydream, yeah. right? Daydream, right? Daydream. Take a bath. Yes. And oh. you know, go into a sensory deprivation tank or something <laughs> like. Oh, I bet that'd and then, be rad. And then think about your own hero's journey. Think about how what 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 stage are you at in the the hero's journey of your own life, mm. the mythological story of your own life? Because this is a great time for mythological thinking and seeing how you are the hero of your own story. And ah. or are you the villain of your own story? That's okay too. I mean, we all play out different archetypes in this lifetime, so a little self awareness will go a long way. Oh, I love that, Spencer. And it's so, that's perfect advice to lead us right into Aries season, right? Because if you get in touch with the hero's journey and your own, you know, connection to your inner hero, and we all are the hero of our own stories, then we're going to get in this Aries season and just feel that much stronger because our hero mission is solidified. And we're going to know where to move. We're going to know where to put this dynamic cardinal energy that is really going to uh, shake some things up moving forward. Uh, but hopefully that's going to be all for the better because we have, we'll have spent this in-between goopy space getting <laughs> in touch with uh, you know what the actual mission is, uh, what it means to us, and how important it is to pursue. We'll emerge um, as the beautiful butterfly. And then right? you'll be the beautiful <laughs> butterfly. Spring will be here. That's we'll right. be ready to fly away. Oh my God, I love it, Spencer. So, all right. Well, I think we did a Yay, wonderful did job of, uh, you know, hopefully you're still with us at this point. It could be a lot to take in. Um, but yes, there was a lot to talk about. So, all right. So, Spencer, so where can people find you? What do you got going on? Do you have any yeah. offers? Anything yeah. along those lines? So, uh, most of my things are filtered through my website, spencermichaud.com, M-I-C-H-A-U-D. Um, I... <clears throat> have a YouTube channel, Spencer Michelle Astrology, where I do a weekly forecast that's generally an hour to an hour and a half each week. So if you want to go there, you can check that out, subscribe. Um, I'm offering a special discount for your listeners on readings too. So if you need some help going on the hero's journey, I'd be more than happy to set up a, a reading for you via Zoom or, or however you want to do that. Um, so 20% discount for your listeners. Uh, Email me at spencermichaudastrology.com with uh, energetic principles in the subject line or Pisces season or flying fish or whatever you want to do. <laughs> just <laughs> like, mention this podcast. Just mention, the, mention yes. Mel's podcast and then I'll give you a 20% discount on my reading. And uh, yeah, and I guess speaking engagements, I'm going to be doing an expo in March here and I, I'm in the Ann Arbor area. So I'll be doing a, an appearance at the Enlightened Soul Expo, doing readings all weekend if you're in that area. And also, I'll be speaking at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference on July 9th through the 13th 
uh, in Ann Arbor as well. I've got a couple of lectures. One is on tarot and the theme of Mundi. Woo. And then I'm going to be talking about the Olympics and astrology and the oh. Olympics, which will be kind of fun. You know? That sounds fascinating. All right. Well, Spencer is busy uh, with some wonderful things coming down the pipeline. Um, but like he said, you know, if you want to take advantage of that special offer, because, you know, it'll only be around for so long, I'm sure. So, season. yes. Uh, and of course, I always share everybody, uh, all guest information. I'll do a blog post for Spencer as well. So if you didn't catch those things or want a direct link, I'll have that available over on my page, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. Um, of course, uh, social media, you can find me at Energetic Principles, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I don't do the Twitters. Don't, yeah. I ain't got time for Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have an Instagram and a Facebook page too, but tw- I do have a Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> not, so what's your handle, after. Spencer? What's a... Uh, it's at Spencer Michelle on Instagram and, and Twitter. And then I have Spencer Michelle Astrology Facebook page too. Okay, so. perfect. So, um, and of course, you know, I do my Patreon uh, every week. I have my, what used to be my weekly forecast on this show is now a Patreon exclusive. Uh, so if you would like to sign up for that and to keep in the know for the seven day cycle, I get in there, Virgo, Saturn and Virgo. There it you go. gets, uh, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> I exhaust myself. Um, and so you can find that over at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, if you are in uh, town, when is this going to air? I think this is, airs a little late, but if you are in San Diego, you know, we have the San Diego Astrological Society, uh, which I reside as president of, and we meet every second Friday of each month. Uh, and I think uh, our last meeting will already have happened when this airs, but uh, we'll have another, we'll have our next one on March. 13th, Friday the 13th, uh, where Jeff Harmon from LA is going to be talking to us about Vedic gemology and using Ooh, gems nice. uh, with uh, the Indian astrology system um, for, yes, yeah, so that should be pretty cool. So if you want to find out more about that, that's at San Diego Astrology.com. Now, okay, so people need to know about Pisces season, right, Spencer? We, right. we spent all this time talking about it. I so feel like we prepared them as well as we could have. We did our best. I bet your mind's swirling and Piscean <laughs> retrograde, you know, this that's great. great. Thank uh, you so much so, for having me on. It's been absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so we want people to share it, right? Yes. Spread the good word. Leave a nice review where you hear this or listen to this because that'll help Spencer and myself be seen further and to get the good message of astrology um, and the you know I I don't want to say the real astrology but you know like there's 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 depth depth astrology I guess you can say that I, I can I say that is that. am I I'm like looking over my shoulder <laughs> no one's in my house no one's gonna get me the astrology police aren't here um, it's, it's but a good astrology. <laughs> A good, it's a, astrology. It's a good astrology. Yes, yes. And so we're we're here for that and we want to spread tangible, that. Tangible practical astrology. That's right. Two yeah. earth moons coming together yeah. with some Cancerian sensibilities. <laughs> so spread the good word uh, and that would be wonderful. So all right, Spencer. Well, you were such a pleasure to talk to. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, right. so we'll have Let's to come, we'll have to come back again. Maybe we'll do more tarot because that I sounds great. I would love great. to do that. This is you're doing a great job. So thanks again for having me on. It's been oh, my pleasure. I appreciate that, and thank you so much for tuning in and being a listener of this program. Uh, you know, we really do appreciate it. So as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.